0: And belly on up to the 9-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Socks in the Basement. 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans. And no, we're not at the bar because I'm still sitting at the lake.
1: So belly on up to the, the styrofoam cooler. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Try and even out the farmer's tan. Right, grab one of those
0: noodles, those ridiculous foam noodles, wrap it around your body, and make sure your koozie floats and you're carrying a can instead of a bottle, because you never want to lose the bottle and it slips below the surface. Okay, you you wanna wanna have the can, somebody can throw you a can from the pier or from the boat, it hits the water, it floats back up, it's brilliant, and then you open it up. If you do it in that order, everything's fine. If you skip a step in that, your beer sinks, you look like a moron. Family Waterproofing Solutions sponsors this show. They're great people. Name one of the South Town's best in 2021 by this Daily Southtown, and they will take care of everything. To get water out of your basement, protect your foundation, they got the bowing walls, the window wells, the foundation crack repair. They take care of all of it. And this is the perfect time of the year to deal with the concrete moving up and down, the patio becoming uneven. That is a water issue. That is something that's going to get worse, and that is something that's going to affect your foundation if you see it going around the home. They can handle that without breaking anything up. They have a whole system where they fix the entire thing before it gets worse. They give you a great price. Remember, if you mention socks in the basement, you get money off. Family-owned, veteran-owned, 24-7. Give them a call, 708-330-4466. See what a difference a family makes at familydry.com. And I was called on social media, Facebook to be exact. I was called, actually the whole show, but I think that they were talking to me because I posted the show in like one of those White Sox group pages. Uh, the most negative podcast in the history of podcast because of our last episode, Ed.
1: So we, we worked a little angry, a little a little pessimistic, if you will. That's what
0: it is to be a White Sox fan. Now, I don't take the comment that was put in there about me being so negative very seriously because it was a grown man Because he claimed that he had owned season tickets for 17 years. So I'm assuming unless he's trying to build off the fact that his, his father's had season tickets forever and he's 17 years old. So that's how he's a season ticket holder for 17 years. I would assume I'm, I have a grown man who wrote the comment, but every time you use an emoji, you lose credibility with me. And this person had at least 10 emojis in their comments. There were three angry faces there were three or four, like the angry face, but with the swear bar over the mouth. Uh, there might have uh-huh. been like a vegetable of some sort in there and a middle finger. Like it was all emojis. When you speak in well, emojis. I'm guessing the
1: vegetable was calling you a male part. <laughs>
0: Listen, when you speak in emojis, you lose all credibility with me. Like I like I just laugh out loud.
1: I just go. That's the unless you are a resurrected Egyptian pharaoh who only knows to write in hieroglyphics, because that's what emojis are the equivalent to. Right. I'll cut you a break there. Right or a nine okay? year old
0: girl because I expect it from you. Like that's what I, that's what I expect.
1: Well, or that you know. Yeah, I, I mean if you're a pre sub teen, like here's the then thing. Yes,
0: I feel like everything that we've said on the show in the last week, if it upset people, they're most likely. Grown people, men and women who use emojis, and right away uh, you've lost credibility with me, or there are people that do the wave in the ninth inning of a 2 2 game against a division rival, because th- those are the kind of people that at this point they have no negativity. They're ride or die. They're, they're going to be eliminated mathematically and trying to tell you that don't worry about it. Somehow they'll they'll make it back into the playoffs. Now, you, though, were positive in your article on Sox on 35th when you did mismatch Sox. You held out the uh, staff of Cork and Kerry, where you award the uh, the, the best player uh, on the White Sox over the last week. You held it out. You handed it to Sebi Zavala. You were very positive about him and poor Jose Abreu, who looks shell-shocked right now. He looks like Rick Hahn after Rick Hahn tries to sign a big money uh, free agent and can't get him that's what jose abreu has looked like on the bench lately
1: he has mastered the rick han face that's for sure him and rick put the i want to see
0: like a splits creed han after he misses out on like machado or wheeler and jose abreu after a loss to the twins
1: why why isn't there a meme right now of rick han face jose after that loss to the twins and then Tony's reaction right after the triple play, the the big stunned look on his face with
0: a big smiling face of Larry Garcia, like right in the middle with like a star, right, right, wipe, right, yeah. and then, something like that. That's that's the season right there. But you are very positive. And I, you know what? I think the White Sox have not given up on this. And I don't think that you can completely give up on this season. It's it, you lost two out of three to the twins. Like, I know that the last game of the series makes you feel good, but you lost two out of three. You've got to take care of business now against the Tigers, and then you got to go start winning series against the Twins and the Indians right now. Not
1: a month from now, because it'll be over. It, it, it's, it's now or never. It, right. it really is now or never. But here's what, here's what I was saying on, on, on in the article, and f- please feel free to go read it. A lot of people, I think, took that game because of the way they fought back and the way they kept coming back, and then eventually— you know, got the lead, the walk-off win. You know, their first lead is is, there, is the walk-off win, and it's it's the legend himself, of course, who gets that walk-off because we'll never get him out of the lineup now. Oh, yeah, he's here but, forever. <laughs> uh, he, is, he is so here forever, guys. <laughs> Larry does that again. He's going to be leading off. Yeah, a lot of people looked at that game, though, and said, is this, is this the type of game that can get this team to start playing and living up to its potential? Because that's really what – if you want to boil it down, I think what we're saying, what we've been saying is in in various different ways and in deeper dives into specific ways, this team has not lived up to its potential, right? This is a championship caliber team going into the season and the potential has not been reached. So is this the thing that wakes them up? And you can look at some stuff that I think are positives, one of which is, I I think the big one is Aloy Jimenez coming back. Uh, He immediately fields a ball and doesn't hurt himself, which is, good, and he did that little thing where he catches the ball and then takes two steps and sits in the net anyway. I think he really just likes doing that. It's like jumping on a hammock for him. But that, I think, is the thing that people are looking at going, okay, well, if we have his bat back in the lineup and we have power back in the lineup, is this something that can kind of spur them into a win streak? Now that we have a more settled starting rotation, although Lance Lynn, again, not his best stuff. Michael Kopeck wasn't great the other day.
0: When I see the ESPN 1000 White Sox account tweet out Lance Lynn, like with like a yelling into the camera, like he did something great thing. And it's Lance Lynn's final line. And he's given up a run per inning. Over what five? I think it was. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah,
1: five. And I was like, five. I believe. Hold on a
0: second. You gave up five, earned over five innings, and we're celebrating that? See, those are the things that annoy me as a fan. That's the stuff that just like I get angry about that. I don't know why. It's a visceral. Like it just pisses me off. It's like, okay, look, I get it. The White Sox pay you and all the guys on that station money to promote the White Sox, but don't sit there and tell me that was a good performance. Like, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he didn't get a lot of time to get ready this season. He was injured and got thrown into this mix, and he's aging. So I understand that. But please don't sit there and tell me that was like a spectacular performance. Who's buying
1: that? Well, nobody, right? You, you know, you figure that Lance Lynn is only going to get better as he gets into the groove and into the season, right? Uh, you, you figure that as a veteran, he can come around. You figure that Aloy's bat is going to help. You figure that with Yasmani Grandal starting his rehab assignment and potentially coming back, that's another. If he's healthy again, that's another power bat that comes back in the lineup. And you and I talked about the fact that the shame of it is, is that they'll go back to Grandal and Reese McGuire, even though Sebi presents the better, the better offensive option, and, and maybe even you know at least an equal defensive option to to McGuire right now. You know, getting healthy is something that I think a lot of fans. And it's been a narrative around the team that if they could just put the roster back together, watch these guys take off. Well, we'll know in this next two weeks whether or not that's true or not, but if it is going to be sparked by something, it's got to be sparked by that game where they come back in extra innings. And I will tell you my favorite part of the whole thing, and it's not that it was Jose Ruiz in the 10th. I don't care about that. But they worked around the first batter, tried to let a, a rookie get himself out when he took the walk. That was fine because the next you know, they got the next batter and then they got the double play. And and how many times have you and I talked about that as an extra inning fault where the first guy comes up and he gives up the runner, they end up giving up a couple of runs, and then the Sox come up in the bottom of the tenth and are immediately behind again. They don't have the advantage of having the runner on second and being the home team when they do that. And they hadn't done that all year. It was the first time in any of their uh, any of their extra inning games where they were the home team that the 10th inning, they shut the other side out. So stuff like that was a positive.
0: It was almost as if they listened to the podcast, Ed, which is, which is strange. I I know that they're up there listening to it. I've heard that there's a lot of hate listening that happens in that front office. Some people like it. Some people hate it terribly, but uh, Jose Ruiz, I don't even, uh, I don't even want to get into it. I'm glad they won the game. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, the guy puts a, a, a runner and a half on per inning on average not only for like this season, but for his career. And he starts with a runner on base. The way that he was able to get out of the inning, it's a little bit of luck, maybe a little bit more than a little bit of luck, and it won't happen every time. Like nine out of 10 times, he gives up a run or two in that 10th inning. I hated the fact that he was on the mound. We're lucky that they managed it the right way and that everything bounced the way that it needed to bounce, just like Garcia. You know, I mean, the the infield's got to come in In a a regular depth, that doesn't get through the infield, but because there's no outs, I want to say there were no outs at that moment, because the infield has to come in, it adds more pressure, and then he can hit a very weak ground ball that I think a lot of people could have hit, and it pokes through. Remember when you're heading to the game, make it a party, make it an outing, make it an experience. Get there a little early. Your spot for your pregame, your postgame, your in-game. Cork and carry at the park in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd and Princeton. As you approach, you will see the big giant sign that says, the home of the podcast for fans, by fans, socks in the basement. You'll walk inside. You'll be able to select from the many beers that they have there, the incredible bar that they have set up. Uh, Tables inside, tables outside, uh, a great atmosphere, and those are Sox fans that are hanging out in there families come in before the game. You bring the kids in, you get them a burger. The price is right. And the food is great. It is definitely a spot for you to go and hang out and do not forget. They will book a party for you. I mean, they they'll actually rent the place out. Like if you, if you want to do it. And also when the socks are on the road, two for one burgers, when you dine in on Mondays, when it's a non socks home game. So get your butt over there. When you head over to the park next 33rd in Princeton Cork and Carrie at the park Learn more at com. It is now time for Corn in the Basement Taking a look at what's going on down on the farm Michael Suero, Sox on 35th Take it away
2: Thanks Chris so, just recently, Oscar Colas was named to the MLB All-Stars Future Games roster. Oscar Colas just recently came out on Sox on 35th Top 30 Prospects as the number 3 prospect, although it was a very tight race for number 2 between him and Lenny and Sosa. Colas, after a couple years away from you know, heavy-duty baseball activities. Signed with the White Sox in January, and I mean, he's done pretty well so far in his first season stateside. At 23 years old in high A, he's got a 315 batting average. He's hit seven home runs, which is good. I mean, I think his power was a little more hyped up, but again, he's still brushing some rust off. But overall, he's been a very good hitter at the plate. He's got an 8% walk rate and a below 20% strikeout rate, so his approach at the plate's been pretty rock-solid. He's got an, eight, an OPS of over 860, so I mean, that's, that's again, it's very good numbers that he's putting up there. I would not be surprised at all if he very soon gets a call up to AA Birmingham where he gets tested against some more advanced pitching and some harder parts to hit at. But we'll see how he adjusts when that happens. But for the time being, he has been just as good as advertised.
0: All right. I don't want to let you go. I want to ask you about this top 30 prospect list that you just put out at soxon on 35th.com. So Michael will be our guest today officially. So he's brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont. Shop, dine, drink, explore. Look at all they have to offer and plan your next day trip. Visit LamontDowntown.com. So, Your top 30, I see it's out. It's a mid-season top 30. I know MLB Pipeline just updated their top 100 prospects. Uh, I think a lot of times when I see somebody like you who's following a team specifically put on a list, I go, okay, well, how does it compare to what the national guys are thinking? Because sometimes guys can be out of town stupid because they're not following it as closely as a guy like you that, that centers just on White Sox prospects. I mean, I'm sure you watch the rest of the minor leagues, but you are zeroed in on what's going on in the Sox system. You went with Colson Montgomery number one overall on your top 30 list. That's the safe pick. If you go up against the national guys, he finally gets on the MLB top 100 list in the pipeline. That's the first time since guys like Madrigal and Vaughn all graduated at the beginning of last season. The Sox have had nobody on that list. Was that just like a no-brainer pick? Did you have to think about your number one pick?
2: No, not at all. He was he was the clear choice for a number one in this farm system, honestly. I mean, since he was drafted number one or in the first round by the White Sox, the funny thing about that draft pick was everyone knew the White Sox were gonna take him. Yet he still fell to us at what nineteen overall. And he has been better than advertised since then. I mean, he came into the league hitting two ninety. He's stuck at shortstop. That was a big question was, was he going to be too big to stick at shortstop? So far, he's sticking there. He hasn't been perfect there, but he's been solid. His abilities at the plate are what's going to carry him. At low-Aide Kannapolis, he was hitting three twenty-four. He had a few home runs. Didn't hit for as much power as people had anticipated. But, I mean, his approach at the plate is insane. He, he walks a ton. He doesn't strike out a lot. I mean, for a kid that just was playing high school ball a year ago, his approach at the plate, his plate discipline are so advanced. I mean, it's unreal to watch it. I'm sure you you may have seen this all over White Sox Twitter. He's on like a 42-game on-base streak right now. That's insane for someone that's, you know, just as new to professional baseball as him. He even earned himself a call-up to high A, where he's actually been even better. He's hit a couple home runs. He's hitting like 390 He's walking more than he's striking out. I mean, I can go, I, I'll, I'll cut myself short, but I can go on and on about Colson Montgomery. He has just been fantastic this season.
0: All right, so Carlos Perez is 15 on your top 30 list. That is the catcher that's down in A that I know you speculated and a lot of other people speculated would be the guy that would come up when Grandal went on the IL or at least could have a shot at it. Instead, Zebi Zavala comes up and Zavala's been red hot. In fact, in my mind, I, I just expect this team to make the mistake of sending him down instead of staying with him when Grandal comes back. I would love for him to remain up there as one of the two catchers. I'm sorry, Reese McGuire, but like, I, I just don't see it. I, I'm loving Sebby and Carlos Perez looks like a guy that eventually... Could slide in there and you could have those two guys as catchers when Grandal's time with the White Sox ends. Tell me a little bit more about this guy because you call him in the article on Sox on 35th, the total package as a catcher. Why is
2: that? Well, because he's really shown abilities in every aspect at the catcher position. I mean, at the plate he's hit for power. He's hit for a solid average at 280. He walks a good amount. He doesn't strike out all that much. I mean, you've got a very well-rounded approach at the plate, and then he's also really good defensively. I mean, he could probably step in right now and be at least an average defensive backstop in the MLB. He's got a good arm. He's got you know good fundamentals behind the plate. It sounds like pitchers like throwing to him down in the minors. Shabby's still like you said, Sebby's still doing a great job, but he was the clear option, at least in my mind. And it's just a matter of time before he gets his his shot in the majors. We'll we'll see. The problem is there's such a logjam at the position now between Reese and Sebi and Grandall when he comes back. I, I hope he gets a shot with the White Sox. I really do because he, you know, I I think he could be a really good catcher long term.
0: Is there anybody that ever gets upset that they don't end up on your list? Like do 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 people get annoyed? Do you ever do you ever hear any feedback? You don't need to give away if there was somebody, but does it happen every once in a while? Do do guys like reach out and say, hey man, what about me? <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it does happen on occasion. I, I did get a couple DMs from—we uh, won't name any names. Really?
0: Like, somebody's young. Somebody's young guys are like, "Why aren't I on the top thirty list?" Like, they're following
2: it. Yep. Yep. I I, I got a couple not too thrilled uh, DMs on my Twitter <laughs> uh, asking why did take the list, <laughs> showing me their stats and why they do deserve to be on the list. And I mean, <laughs> look. I I can't put everyone on these lists, unfortunately. You know, I have to cut it off somewhere. So I'm, I'm sorry if your feelings got hurt. But, I mean, some of these players, maybe maybe some of them did deserve to be listed in the honorable mention. But, again, you have to cut it off somewhere.
0: I love it. I love that it's competitive and these guys are down in the minors. And they're like, hey, man, I should be on this list. They're putting together video packages and sending them to you. Before I let you go, Michael Suero, Sox on 35th, uh, is there a prospect that you would cringe if the White Sox dealt them because they're trying to get back into it this year? Is there somebody you're like, oh, this better be a really good return because I don't want to give this guy up?
2: Well, the obvious answer is Colson Montgomery, obviously. But if if we're trying to get someone new to uh, talk about here, the one I have is Christian Mina. He's a right-handed pitcher that just recently got called up to high A Winston-Salem. 19-year-old pitcher, and he's pitching pretty well above his years. I mean, he's definitely younger for the league he's in now, but in his first few starts, he's held his own, and he absolutely dominated when he was in low A, Kannapolis, with like a 2.5 ERA, getting nearly 12 strikeouts per nine innings, limiting his walks. I mean, the kid's got a mid-90s fastball at 19 years old and a powerful curveball. That's his best pitch. I mean, he is a guy that I almost actually ranked him as our top pitching prospect over Norio Vera. I I do want to see a little more out of him before I make that move, but I mean, he is right up there with some of these prospects.
0: Michael Suero writes for Sox on 35th. Check out his entire list, the top 30, the honorable mentions, and then try to figure out who was left off and is blowing up his DMs. He's breaking hearts in the minor leagues. Thanks so much for jumping on the show, bud.
2: Thanks for having me,
0: man. Socks in the basement, listeners. Do the hard work, and if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly, and that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva, a work boot specialty store that carries sizes from six to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire. Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. You know, I love the fact that there's a a minor league baseball player somewhere in the White Sox organization that is so angry that he's not on the Sox on 35th Top 30 list and why I love it. I don't know. Well, here, here's the thing. Do I love it? Like on one hand, I love the passion. I love that. I right. want to be a top 30 prospect, but jumping in the DMS of the guy and being angry about not being in there. Are you a crazy person? Like this is something for the team to figure out. I can't figure this out.
1: I can understand getting into the DMS one time and being like, I'm going to shove that list up your you know what? Right. And watch me go here, and then you know, and you're gonna have to update this list because I'm gonna go on a tear. And then goes out and you know is hitting like 750 with nothing but home runs. And if all this guy does though is slide into the DMs of the guy who writes the list and just nonstop harasses him because he didn't put him on there, but doesn't change his performance in any way, shape, or form, then yeah, it's a little. uh a little bit of a concern for <laughs> yeah. for whoever the mental skills coach is over at Thirty Fifth and Shields.
0: Uh, let's talk about the rumors. I, I love this. It's July. Uh, We're going to start uh, seeing them. It's time them. for them, isn't it? There's always like these accounts that have weird names. One of them that I enjoy a lot is the Portillo's Hamburger account yes, because every once in a while, yes. it- it's on. Like I keep thinking this guy's like in a front office or knows somebody in a front office because sometimes he's he's right. Not all the time, but sometimes he's right. And and just I want to look at one of the rumors that I just recently saw that this Twitter account put out. Not because I I 100% believe it's true, but because if it's true, I want to ask the question, would it make sense? And he listed a couple of pitch, pitchers. I think Luis Castillo is one of them that the uh that the White Sox are interested in, but he also said Brandon Drury. Now, Drury plays third base, second base and outfield. He's a right-handed bat. He's having a pretty good year this year. I'm not going to dispute that. I mean, we're talking about a guy with an 855 OPS who's got an on-base percentage of 331, who's hitting 270, he's got 17 home runs so far, and he's worth about a win and a half in uh, baseball reference uh, wins above replacement on their metric. But my question is this, Ed. At this point, looking at where you're at in the standings, even if you believe that Aloy shows up and he is going to just put juice into this team, all of a sudden, Tim Anderson is running out, drop third strikes, right? Like he just, he's like a breath of life into the team. He starts hitting bombs. Everybody else starts doing it. Hitting's contagious. Completely different team. They start running through guys and they start coming up the standings. If Drury was only worth a win and a half to this point, even if I say he's worth two from this point on, right? Even though we're, we're basically at the halfway point, I'll give him two. Hell, I'll give him three. Let's say he's even better in the second half. Is he worth like a good prospect? Because I don't know if those three games are the difference based upon where you're at in the standings. So am I being too pessimistic? Because I feel like what the White Sox will do here is they're going to make an effort because if they can get close to the playoffs or they can make the wild card, it's big money. Season ticket holders get something in, the, in their email very soon. It says, buy your postseason tickets now. And then we'll use it towards next year otherwise. But it's a way to grab the money early. And it's a thing that the White Sox do. I don't know if every team does it, but it's something the White Sox do. A lot of season ticket holders will laugh at that at this point in the season with this team sitting where they're at. If you can get close, you can grab that money. So that's one of my big fears is that we give up prospects in a season in which Brandon Drury won't make enough of a difference.
1: Well, again, it depends now. Are you talking about just Brandon Drury? and giving up a, a good prospect for just Brandon Drury, who is a rental because he's a free agent at the end of this year. So he's, he's a guy that, no, on the surface, getting just Brandon Drury probably doesn't help because for starters, he's playing in the Great American Ballpark. And I don't have his stats directly in front of me, but almost every batter that goes through that park Gets a bump, okay? It's 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 kind of the unspoken... You're so
0: right, okay? 37 games at home, 34 games away, right? So pretty much the same amount of games. Away, 231 batting average outside of that ballpark with a 786 OPS. In that ballpark hitting 301 with a 913 OPS. Do you want to give up a lot for a guy who's not going to hit in that ballpark? So he's going to be 231, 786 when he comes to you. Unless you believe that... Yeah, uh, unless you believe yeah. the rate will play like the ballpark in Cincinnati for him? I mean, those are the interesting questions here because my my thing is, look, if you want to go for it, great. You want to, you want, you think you can make it in there and get a puncher's chance in the playoffs, whatever, have at it. Maybe it happens for you. But I I kept hearing Rick Hahn over the last couple of years when we didn't give the most amount of money in an offer to somebody or when we didn't go after a guy like Bryce Harper or when we didn't make trades. Well, I don't want to sell out the future of this team because I want to be good every year. And so my question is, Well, I think you've answered it already. He can't be the only guy you bring in if you decide that you're buyers instead of sellers.
1: Yeah. Now, if he is a sweetener in a deal, okay, and you're picking up, say, Luis Castillo, who has struggled a little bit, but is a guy that...
0: He's been hot lately. He's on my fantasy team. He's been hot lately. I've been paying attention to him closely.
1: and, And he's a guy that historically has been very good too. So if you're grabbing him, and he's not a free agent until 2024. So he's a, he's a member of the rotation after this year and you need or that. he's a trade yeah. And he, or he's a trade chip for for the off season or something like that. If you're picking up Castillo and you're picking up Drury as part of it because the Reds are just sitting there going, you know what, throw us this guy and we'll throw you Brandon Drury cuz he's not part of their long-term plans either necessarily. Right. Then sure, bring the guy in. He's probably a good bench piece for you. He's got some versatility. It's not a bad thing necessarily to have him. But yeah, if you're going to bring in a guy like Brandon Drury, you got to make sure that we don't have a Cesar Hernandez situation where, remember, Hernandez was having a pretty decent year last year when he was in Cleveland, and then he comes to the White Sox, and all of a sudden he can't hit anymore.
0: Well, is this the biggest problem? Is this the biggest problem then? I mean, in, in short, as we, as we get to the end here of the show, is this really the crux of the problem for the White Sox, that they have an awful lot of good to above average players, and they're lacking the star power, right? Because you could bring in a guy like this who's doing very well, and even if he hits this way, you're still kind of like, eh, but what does he really add to my team? When in reality, that may be what we're missing here. I mean, Jose Abreu, what do we say at the beginning of the year? You expect, you need, you have to have somebody else become better than Jose Abreu. Like, he should be your third or fourth or fifth best hitter on the team. Otherwise, you're in trouble. And that did not happen, right? And so, like, you are missing those middle of the lineup, Stallworth, best players on your team being the younger guys, which we were expecting to have happen. And when you look at the pitching staff, and I get what you're saying, and I've seen all the articles on it that baseball has changed, but, you know, you could have one guy that can go seven innings on average, right? You can have one guy that goes into the eighth inning. You you need that one guy, the Degrom, the Scherzer, even though they're both on the same team and one of them's been injured all year. But uh, you know the the there are players all there are pitchers all over baseball that are that guy that you you're like he can throw eight innings and only spend 110 pitches. And that's another thing that they're missing. They they're they need that they, they're waiting for guys to graduate to that level to have the one or two or three superstars. And they haven't seen that yet, right? Is that the big problem, really,
1: at the end when you look at this team? Yeah, because if you want to compare them to the Yankees, and and who's the best team in baseball right now? The Yankees. I, you know, it, it's the Yankees, right? It's it's not really even that much of a question. But if you're going to compare them to the Yankees, think about what the Yankees run out there every night, okay? In, in terms of star power, you want to talk about that? Well, you've got, right now, Anthony Rizzo, who is, you know, I would say has been a star in this league and is having a very good year. You've got, more importantly, though, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton.
0: We don't have anything right? like that on this team right now.
1: We don't have anybody like Aaron Judge hitting 30 home runs in the first no. half when the rest of the league is struggling to hit home runs, period. He's got, he's got half of what the Sox have as a team right now in terms of home runs, and you don't have that. And then you know you're talking about on the pitching side of things, uh, they don't have somebody like Garrett Cole who can go out and will go seven innings and will go and and dominate for a bit like the worst
0: guy in the Yankees rotation would be like a godsend for the White Sox right now, so yeah, I mean, I think that may oh, be yeah. the problem let's I mean let's be honest let's just let's just call it honestly. You did a rebuild. You expected some of these guys, one of them or two of them or three of them to become a superstar. You can show me as many video packages as you want to that a guy is a superstar, but I can just flip to a team full of superstars and they have three, four, five guys that can do better than what we have at certain positions. And that's the difference right now, okay? The rebuild did not assure you that you were going to win a championship. Some of these guys had to develop to a stardom point and we haven't seen it yet. So now that's right, maybe you do have to go out and you gotta find that star. This is going to be a big question for the rest of the year and into the off season, Uh, especially if you decide to redesign this team during the season before the trade deadline. You know, remember the twins, what they did, Ed. They they had a terrible year last year and they redesigned everything on the fly. They started making moves last year and in the offseason, and they redefined what their team was so they could come back and compete the very next year. So I know it can be done. So now, what will Rick Hahn and company do?
1: Socks in the basement.
2: Socks in the basement.